0: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, dog trainer Alan Cable, groomer Joey Villani, communicator Joy Turner, and here are your hosts, Al Abrams and Judy Francis.
1: Just a great show. Of course, it's toll free at 1-866-405-8405 if you have questions about your pet for the dream team. On the show today, Laurel Braitman. And this brand new book called Animal Madness. Gonna be talking about some of the behavior problems that dogs have, or animals have in general. And also, Dr. Marty Becker is back today. Animal Radio Veterinary Correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker, talking about either pet food myths or oral <laughs> care. We I don't, don't know. know what his topic is today. Either one, it'll be fine. And Fibbercoin. another coin,
2: great hero. Uh, what are you working on, Joey? I'm going to talk about how fatty um, oils um, can directly or indirectly um, impact your dog's coat and skin. Oh, I would imagine that fatty oils could make it better. So we'll find out in just a few minutes. Am I right?
1: Maybe not. Yeah, you never know. Never, you know. never know. Tammy, what are you working on there in the newsroom?
3: We're working on ferrets. ferrets. We talked about ferrets Uh-oh. last week. Yep, there are four places in the United States that ferrets are illegal. Even though you go into any pet store in any of those four places and they got ferret products galore, well, one of those places is thinking this through again, saying, Why did we make ferrets illegal again? Ooh. Hmm. Maybe not. I'm going to stick
1: around for that. I think I know who. And I think that'll uh-huh. be a great step forward for ferrets. Yes. You bet. Long live the ferrets. Okay. Love let's, ferrets. Let's hit the phones. Toll free, 1 405 8405 for you. Hey, Charles. Hey, how's it going? Good. You're up to bat. What's going on? Um, well,
4: um, uh, last week, uh, uh, last Saturday, my six and a half year old mastiff, I came back from an overnight stay, and uh, he was uh, in the backyard, uh, the big fence in yard, all jumping around, happy to see me. I let him out, and he does his usual run out and run around a little bit, and then uh, uh, all of a sudden, his uh, back legs kind of gave out a little bit, and uh, his hair came back up on his on his back. And and his front leg got kind of flussy, or, or kind of give away a little bit. Then he laid down right in front of me and ran to me as, as he could. Ran to me, and within a minute, he was freaking dead. Ooh.
5: Holy cow. And
4: uh, I, he's six and a half years old, and uh, I, I didn't feed him very many table scraps from the from the, and I was just wondering what... What could have possibly happened?
6: Well, you know, I'm so sorry to hear that news. That's, I mean, tragic in any situation, but so suddenly. Now, was he showing any problems prior to this? Anything going on, not eating, any health issues at all?
4: Um, Throughout his life, twice he had uh, his uh, balls would swell up, um, and he had to get uh, some antibiotics to get him fixed. Uh or, okay. or to and, and I don't know what the, the the problem was with that. But what happened was uh, about eight months ago I had him fixed because I, I was afraid it might happen to him again. He he got he gained a little weight and then um he started losing a little weight, but he he, he had white hair, his black face started to turn white like an older dog, you know.
5: Mhm.
4: But I, I, I don't know, you know. Um I just it okay. just got me in. Um, the lifespan of a mastiff. i read some places in the, on the Internet where six to eight or ten, I don't know. And uh, I, I don't know what I did wrong or what do you think happened to my dog?
6: Well, I mean, it, it, it may be all speculation as far as what I might say, but in a in a dog of that age, in a giant breed dog, that is a actually a full lifespan. Um, six to eight, I'd say, is typical. I occasionally see some giant breeds, ten and older, um, but we know that we just get cheated with these breeds because they don't live as long as those little yappity, um, chihuahuas and the small breeds. Um, longevity is the smaller the creature, they usually, at least in the dog world, the, usually they last longer and they live longer than the giant breeds. Um, the number one thing I think of when we have a sudden death in a giant breed dog without any other kind of signs leading up, but the first thing I would look at would be the heart, um, because that's going to be my first, um, thought of, a very sudden type passing, um, but you know there, there certainly could be other things along that along in there as far as other types of organ dysfunction or even a toxicity. But I'd have to say, number one, I, I would think that um, he could have had some kind of abnormal rhythm or some underlying heart issue that uh, presented itself. Um, but, but like uh, having... what, happened
4: to jo- what happened to John Ritter? Remember John Ritter? The he died really quick from his aorta exploding. Do you think it was something like that or?
6: Well, that would be a little unusual for a dog, but um, if we're talking about um, heart rhythms, kind of like people who have sudden cardiac arrest, you know, a guy who's out skiing in the fittest part of his life, and there's an abnormal rhythm that the heart can throw. Um, so that might be the case. Um, could be actually some kind of organic Heart disease, so something else structurally that was wrong and and i 'm totally speculating because really the only way we could know is if we had an autopsy done or what we call a necropsy in um, animals, and that 's you know really where we do an examination uh, and we and we look to see internally what uh, potential changes might have happened, but that would be at least my my first thought for you, and um, I guess the good thing is that he didn 't suffer it sounds like he went very quickly and uh you were nearby well, no, so
4: you think he had a, a full life for the most part and number two i you don't think i really did anything wrong i tried my best to and he was a very happy dog
6: yeah, no. I, you know, I think you, you, you did get, unfortunately, the shorter end of the giant breed longevity. Um, so I don't think you did anything wrong. Um, you know, and some people with great Danes and the large breeds at that age, you know, we, we do feel fortunate. Um, we'd love to squeak out a couple more years, um, but I think really, you know, I would not feel bad. Uh, I would take comfort that he was with you and that you did provide very well for him.
1: That's a long moment. life for the breed there. It's ironic that the yappy ones live longer, isn't it?
6: Yeah, something about the orneriness, I think, with the little ones. Uh, you know, they they just have that, that little feistiness that they uh, seem to have a little more lease on life, I guess.
1: <laughs> it's sort of the same around here. 1-866-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405
7: Radio is underwritten by Natural Balance Pet Foods, the finest food and treats you can buy for your pet. No matter which formula of Natural Balance Pet Food or solution-oriented treat you choose, it will truly be the food for a lifetime and a treat to treat them right. Visit naturalbalanceinc.com to learn more.
8: Hi, I'm Jimmy Van Patten, and I'm here to talk to you about our solution-oriented treats for cats and dogs. Natural Balance Pet Foods offers several nutritious treat formulas with tasty solutions for pets. Our treats feature unique ingredients like venison, duck, and salmon, accented with cranberries and pumpkin, and offer grain-free options. At Natural Balance, our philosophy is to provide pets and their owners the food for a lifetime. Natural Balance treats truly treat them right. For more information, visit naturalbalanceinc.com.
9: Geico Motorcycle presents Reflections from the Road. Every time I rev my engine down an open stretch of road, I'm glad I switched to Geico Motorcycle Insurance. Because nothing feels better than saving money with GEICO. Except maybe the time I saved a life. A squirrel's life. Gave that little fella mouth to mouth and then he bit me. On second thought, saving money with GEICO probably feels better. GEICO Motorcycle Insurance. See how much you could
10: save. Get something started. That's the sound of a Kubota RTV utility vehicle. Maybe it has a Kubota orange paint job, maybe camouflage, maybe it has two seats, or maybe it has four. There might even be a comfortable factory-installed cab with heat and air conditioning. In fact, there's a whole lineup of hard-working Kubota RTVs waiting for you at your local Kubota dealer. Like the redesigned RTV X-Series, the next generation of North America's top-selling diesel utility vehicle with truck-inspired styling. It's a whole new driving experience with Kubota's exclusive independent rear suspension technology for a smooth, comfortable ride, even in rugged terrain and bumpy work sites. With so many RTV options, it's easy to find the right one for you. Then start saving with low-rate, long-term financing available now. Kubota RTV utility vehicles, built for the best things in life.
11: Visit Kubota.com to find your local Kubota dealer.
4: Hi, this is John O'Hurley. You're listening to Animal Radio. And remember, most importantly, please spay
5: or neuter.
7: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A little terrier named Millie has been nicknamed Sparky after biting through an electrical cable and surviving a 240-volt shock. Sparky bit through a refrigerator cable and was thrown across the room, and the shock damaged the roof of her mouth, leaving her with severe burns and swollen lips. She was given a 50-50 chance of surviving, but after some antibiotics, having four blackened teeth removed, and some tender loving care, Sparky pulled through. Experts suggest hiding all exposed electrical cords from pets, especially younger dogs and pet rabbits. I'm thinking Sparky's going to be sticking to rawhide from now on. I'm Brit Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
1: I want to thank the guys over at Kitty and Go-Go for underwriting Animal Radio. They bring you six attractive litter box options and colorful designs, especially suited for smaller homes or apartments, you know, where the traditional litter box could be an eyesore. Available at kittyagogo.com. That's kittyagogo.com. And as I always say, please enter those letters carefully. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to end up at another site. <laughs> I'm just yes. telling you now. Let's uh, answer some calls. What do you say? Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 for Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, dog father Joey Volani, and you. We have Christian on the phone. Hey, Christian.
12: Hi, how are you?
1: Good. Where are you calling from?
12: Um, well, Los Angeles, but I'm actually in um, Palm Springs. Oh, well, then. And I live in Los Angeles. So what's going on? So basically, my dog, I have a, I have a puppy. She's about 10 months old. Um, her. She's a Lakeland Terrier and she's great she's trained um... we've done a lot of training she's um... She's, she's a great dog she does every you know does a lot of things really well the biggest issue that i've had and i've had from the very beginning when we got her is that she she um, she's crate trained. she seems to go to the bathroom in the crate all the time when i'm gone Um and it, it, it could be and i don't leave her for very long the most long i've ever left her is about four and a half hours and usually it, it could it be an hour it could be an hour and a half it could be two hours just seems to go to the bathroom it's, it's uh... She does, she does both things. So it's, it's sort of, I don't know how to stop it. I've talked to the trainer. I've talked to the breeder. And no one seems to really know what, you know, what, what the problem is. Um, I had done, I've been doing a lot of research. And one of the things that I found online that uh, a lot of dogs suffer um, from separation anxiety. And I think she could have that, um, but I don't really know what the deal is or what the issue it could be.
13: Hey, you sound like a nervous guy. You sound a little excited and, and like this is really bothering you and, uh, and, and, and keeping you up late at night. Is that the way it is for you?
12: Well, you know, it, it, yeah, it does because, you know, at the same time, she, you know, she's a great dog. She's such a good dog. And I just don't understand, you know, what's sort of going on in, you know, in her mind. And obviously she's an animal. I, I, I understand that. But, um, You know, it's like if it is separation anxiety, is she nervous? Is that if she's doing it because of nerves, or is it just out of spite? Which I don't think that's really it. I just, yeah, I don't
13: know. Well, you tell me this. You you know, Christian, so much of what dogs do is dependent upon what we do. So tell me this: is is she uh, excited and anxious when you leave? Does she have separation anxiety? You would be the one to know that.
12: You know, I don't really notice it. She, she's pretty She's pretty quiet, but then I have heard when okay. I walk out the door and I'm going into the garage, I hear her barking and howling. So, yes, obviously. And, and nice so,
13: so you come home, so you come home and she's she's gone to the bathroom in her crate, and then what's the first thing you do?
12: I just sort of look at her and, I, you know, I mean, I don't really discipline her too much because I'm, I'm told that you can't really do that once they've, you know, they don't, you, don't, you, don't, you don't catch them. So, yes, I know yeah, she, just, she's done it.
13: Yeah, what do you do? do? What do you do and what do you what do you do and what do you feel? What do you feel and what do you do?
12: Well, I sort of say to her, you know, I look at her, and she knows she gets that look, because she's sort of on the ground, and she's kind of, like, she's afraid. She realizes she's done something wrong.
13: <laughs> okay, so look at but I don't She leave, looks I don't, at I don't,
12: your I body.
13: I'm, sure I say, I, I'm sorry? Uh, let me tell you something. The other day, you know, my dog, he uh, he pretty much hangs out all morning long. He's very quiet. My wife sits in her chair. And he's developed this habit where every time my wife sits in his chair, he gets up and he goes to the door and he goes, Whoop! And basically, you know, he makes that sound and he goes to the door when he has to go out. But in reality, he doesn't have to go out. And my wife picked up on this real quick. He decided that, oh, I can control her and I'm going to play this little game now because every time she sits in the chair and I make that sound, she pops back up. So he very cleverly figured out that he could manipulate her, and it only lasted about a a day or two because she started ignoring him and that stopped. So much of what dogs do is dependent on what we do. So the first step is... You always take your dog to the vet. You make sure there's no problem, uh, physical problem with going to the bathroom. The second thing is how old was the dog when you got her?
12: Three and a half months old
13: okay so I don't know what the breeder did and I don't know what the uh, the person who uh, actually uh, had the pu had your dog had your little puppy uh, did but you know a lot of times when dogs get used to going in the kennel right from the time they're little because they're left in there for a long time they're used to going uh, to the bathroom with something under them that's a hard surface or a wired surface they're used to going in the kennel they just continue to do that now when mm-hmm. you say your dog knows when you say your dog knows she did something wrong she really doesn't know she did something wrong what she does know is is your body language. She knows that you're not happy with her. She could tell that you're not happy. She pretty much probably doesn't know why you're not happy when you catch her going to the bathroom in the kennel, but she knows you're unhappy. So uh, the first thing you got to do is stop worrying so much. Just relax. Calm yourself down. Okay. Take a weekend when you're not working, when you're going to be around a lot. You're going to have a lot of time. And what you're going to do is you're going to practice putting her in the kennel and making the kennel a fun place to be while you're there, just leaving okay. the door open. You know, just put her in there, or you can close the door. Put her in there with her favorite toy, or take a rawhide treat, or some treat that, you know, you give her anyway, and put some dog food in it, or something really cool, and freeze it. Put it in the freezer, and then stick it in there with her, and just keep your eye on her. Go about your business. Uh Watch her body language. See if she's just paying attention to you all the time. And if she is, don't pay attention back. Don't talk to her. Don't look at her. It's like you're not even there. Just go about your business. Open the door after an hour. Let her out. And then what you're going to do is, uh, by Sunday, you're going to keep doing this over and over and over again, you know, an hour at a time, an hour and a half at a time, in and out of the kennel. you can actually go outside. Go outside of the house for a half hour. Come back. But see if you can peek through the window, because that way you can see if she starts to go to the bathroom. And if she does, you can catch her in the act. And what you want to do is also have a regular structure where you're taking her out to the bathroom on a leash, like every three, four hours. And every time she goes to the bathroom on grass outside, you go, good. Dog. Yeah, you going to I, do teach her that.
12: That? I do do that. I do definitely do all that.
13: Well, you keep doing that because you want to okay. teach her that the best place to go to the bathroom is always with a sky overhead. The other thing is her kennel can't be too big. If the kennel's big, she can go to the bathroom in it and go to the other side, the opposite end of the kennel, and get away from it. So you kind of want to have a kennel that's just big enough for her to turn around in and, you know, where she can move yeah. her body, that's but the, not, big not big enough
12: kennel, to where yeah. that, she again? has. And, She she has she has a small kennel that she could move, but it's not very large. And you know, she a lot of times will go will you know defecate, and she'll be sitting in it. Well, have you ever
13: have you ever actually caught her doing it? Have you ever seen her do it?
12: I have not seen her do it. No.
13: Okay. So what you're going to do is you're going to you're going to teach her that the best place to go to the bathroom is outside with the sky overhead, and you're gonna stop reacting to it. So when you come home, let's say you catch her, or you come home and there's poop in there and there's pee in there, don't say anything, don't look at her, take her outside, put her where she can't see you, clean it up with an enzyme cleaner. Very important because if you don't get rid of the smell, they'll keep going in the same spot just because they smell it, you know, so they'll keep okay. going there too. But, you know, the odds are if your dog has separation anxiety, which it doesn't sound like she does, she's going to follow you around the house. She's not going to let you out of her sight. She's going to be real nervous when you leave, real, real, real nervous, real uptight, real tense, real anxious. So she's just gotten used to going in the in the crate, and that's my guess. My guess is when she was a puppy, she got used to going in the crate, and she's just continuing it. So you're going to teach her that it's not okay to go in the crate. You don't want her to do that. And you're not going to do it with words, and you're not going to do it with human uh you know, interaction. You're going to do it by, by using dog language. And dog language is you got to catch her in the act and you got to go, uh, uh-uh, no, and you put her outside. Good dog. That's why you need uh-huh. to do it on the weekend. You need to actually okay. hide outside, stare through the window, catch her in the act, run in, grab her and go, no, and take her outside immediately. Okay. All right. If you can't catch her, you can't correct her. Right. You got to be able to correct her. Don't freak out. Just remember, dogs, <laughs> they watch you constantly. they got nothing but time on their hands. And all they do is watch the way you react. They don't listen to you. They watch you. And if you're a calm, compassionate, trustworthy, a consistent leader, your dog will follow you and will mellow out. And we'll stop going to the bathroom in the crate. You just got to catch okay. her doing it, and you got to make sure that you train her when you're there. Put her in the crate while you're there, and then start leaving the house and coming back in longer intervals. Start with 20 minutes, then a half hour, then 45 minutes. If she hasn't gone, lengthen it over the weekend, and keep doing that. And uh, I think you'll be able to easily teach her that going to the bathroom outside is what you want, with a sky overhead, not a roof overhead. That's the key.
12: Yes. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care.
1: It's toll free 1-866-405-8405 to any one of the Dream Team. Big thanks to those that make Animal Radio possible and underwriting this hour comes from Kitty Agogo. Not only are they funding this important programming, but they happen to make the coolest litter tray on the market, and it's easy to clean. I'm telling you, each litter has these decorative hoods.
7: They uh, don't even look like litters. I tell you, when they're in your house, they're like hidden. You don't. Even, they don't even stand out as a litter box.
1: Well, they have the six different colors. The colors include the uh, well, the polka dot, the flower print, the burl wood, black lacquer. I really like the black lacquer the leopard print and the metallic silver.
7: Yeah, they just blend in with whatever decor you have.
1: They're easy to clean. Simply pull out the litter tray, pull the rake forward and scoop clumps into the waste receptacle You don't need any cartridges or anything special for this. This is so easy to clean. And the the little hook on the back. It keeps the
7: scoop right together. You know how you're always putting the scoop down somewhere and you can never find it or it's in a different location? This has a place on back. You just hook the scooper right there. It's hidden on the back, but you just grab it and you can scoop it out. And then you put the scoop back on the back and it's all together.
1: And it's made of the highest quality injection molded, high-impact, stain-resistant plastic. It's going to last a long time. Check out kittyagogo.com.
0: That's kittyagogo.com. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
13: Hi, it's Cable. Thanks for stopping by. Today we're going to talk about something unpleasant to you and me. Very unpleasant, but totally natural to some dogs. I think you probably figured out dogs will eat just about anything, including their own you know. Whoa! (laughs) And as gross as that sounds, and looks, it's common. Sometimes it can be a sign of loneliness or being bored. Could be anxiety, or maybe your dog is copying other dogs. Sometimes it's because the dog learns that when there's number two around, he gets punished. So he's actually making it disappear so you won't be mad at him. It really doesn't present a problem, except that we hate seeing it. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks like when their dog's giving that their kiss... First thing you can do to try to stop it is to give your dog more attention and lots of exercise. And feed him more than once a day so he has something to look forward to. And also because it'll keep him from getting hungry throughout the day and tempted. Also pick up after him as quick as you can. Like we said before, he might be cleaning his living space, which is your job. Hey, thanks so much. And as always, get more tips at AnimalRadio.com.
11: Not
8: available in California. Do you have startup capital and are looking to invest in a booming health-based business? Here's your opportunity, because we're looking for business-savvy, healthy-minded people in this area to become franchise owners of Fresh Healthy Vending Machines, the number one healthy vending franchise in North America. Fresh Healthy Vending is a publicly traded company. With your Fresh Healthy Vending Machines, you'll be selling exactly what America wants, all natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. And with the USDA Smart Snacks and School Nutrition Guidelines starting and banning junk food in schools, the demand for fresh, healthy snacks is only getting bigger. Fresh Healthy Vending has identified prime vending machine locations in this area, and we place your machines for you so you can capitalize on the huge demand for healthy organic snacks on the go. Ready to grab your share of this booming industry? Visit readyforfresh.com today and enter code 2222 for free owner information. Locations in this area are filling up fast, so visit readyforfresh.com, special code 2222. Really? No way. Hey, I'm Eric from Sam Adams. Here to get craft beer drinkers' reactions as they secretly taste Sam Adams' Boston Lager. It's got a good body. It's got a great
14: taste. It's very smooth. I like that. think you've had this beer before? No. This is Sam Adams' Boston Sam Lager. Sam Adams! Like, <laughs> I was good yes. Sam Adams. That's easy to drink.
6: It's tasty. It's a very flavorful,
10: drinkable beer. Smooth, but it does have flavor. I love a Boston Lager. What this test
15: did is it put Sam Adams back on the map for me. Boston Beer Company, Boston Bass, the
8: response Hi. I'm Junior, director of marketing for Fido Friendly, the traveling lifestyle magazine for us dogs. I have the best job in the world, sniffing out hotels and destinations where they roll out the red carpet for canines and humans alike. To find out where I've been lately and to learn how you can travel like me, pick up a copy of Fido Friendly magazine at your local bookstore or subscribe online at FidoFriendly.com to find out what all the barking's about. Oh.
11: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Drs. Foster & Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. We start
3: out with a ferret fact. The Centers for Disease Control now says ferrets are docile and cat-like. Keep that in mind because it's really (laughs) important, dear. That being said, there are four places in the U.S. where it is illegal to own a ferret. The states of California and Hawaii, along with Washington, D.C., and all five boroughs of New York City. They're legal in the rest of New York, just not in the five boroughs of New York City. But now, I mean, really, figure this out, okay? (laughs) This is crazy. But New York and the de Blasio administration is now considering overturning the 15-year ban on ferrets. New York's health department has said ferrets pose no serious risk to the public. So there will now be a series of public hearings, a comment period, then the full Board of Health will vote in September. Then it's up to the mayor. He says he's not advocating overturning the ban, but he certainly is willing to consider it if the board sees no problem. Overall, if you took a poll, the city's basically split. 39% pro-ferret, 42% against them For some reason. All right, when you hear about heartworm, when you hear that word, you automatically think about dogs, right? But news out of Texas A&M University says although cats are less susceptible to heartworm infection, they can still get it. Heartworm disease is transmitted to an animal through the bite of a mosquito carrying the heartworm larva, which eventually settles into the blood vessels of the lungs or within the actual heart itself. Heartworm infestation in cats, way harder to diagnose than in dogs. There are no specific tests yet either like there are for dogs. Signs associated Associated with the first stage of heartworm disease in cats are often misdiagnosed as asthma or allergic bronchitis when they're in fact due to a syndrome that's newly defined as heartworm-associated respiratory disease or HARD. There are also no products in the U.S. approved yet for the treatment of feline heartworm infection. There are four preventative products available, though. And just like in dogs, it's imperative to make sure the cat does not already have heartworms before you use the preventative treatment or you're in a lot of trouble here. Well, I hate to talk about animals as fads, but there are certain breeds of dogs that are falling out of fashion, it seems. Vet Street looked through its database of thousands of pet records, found 10 breeds that were really popular 10 years ago, but not so much today. And some of them I think you'll find really surprising. The breed losing favor the fastest, one of my personal favorites, the Greyhound. And hmm. some of the others are kind of out there, too. Like the perennial firehouse dog, the Dalmatian losing favor, and the Karen Terrier. And that was the breed of Dorothy's little dog, Toto, and the Wizard of Oz. Hmm. Also on the list, the Smooth Fox Terrier, all of the Spitz breeds, the Skipper Key, the Chow Chow, the Samoyed, the Keyshawns the English Cocker Spaniel, and the adorable little Silky Terrier. I like them all. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an
11: Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Supplies. Visit FosterAndSmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction guaranteed.
9: what
8: do you think about when you're driving music sports we think about nice big fluffy piles of insulation and filters and motor suspension and water projection and things like that we're bosch and we are the quietest dishwasher brand in the u.s you could say we wrote the book on quiet and the next chapter is flexibility Nearly every Bosch dishwasher now features a third rack that holds silverware and whisks and tongs and spatulas and increases your loading area up to 30%. How did we do it? Well, as we said, we're Bosch. We think about things like that. Come see what we've invented for you.
6: See the complete line of Bosch dishwashers at Best Buy or visit BestBuy.com Bosch. Quietest dishwasher brand in the U.S. based on an average of sound ratings on major brands' websites. Major brands define as track line top 10 brands March 2013. 30% more loading area compared to a Bosch dishwasher with two racks.
16: Animal Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, a non-surgical alternative to dog castration. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.com.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
1: This has become my favorite part of Animal Radio Now, the Hero People segment. I'm so delighted that there are so many people that are helping the animals out one way or another. If you want to nominate someone for this segment, send us an email, your voice at animalradio.com. Your voice at animalradio.com. You can also call your phone number there at one 405 8405 and tell they you. They
7: can do that. I'd love it.
1: Okay. So nominate somebody that you know. And it doesn't have to be they're helping thousands of pets. It could be one single pet. We want to highlight the people that are doing It doesn't great even things have to be a animal.
7: pet. It could be just a, a wild, a wild animal, animal caught in a trap or something that somebody helped. It we could want be to know. Anything. Yes. Just people that gone out of their way to do go above
17: and beyond.
1: And today we have Linda sperlin Dominic. She is one of the founders of the Guardian Angels for Soldiers Pets. Hi, Linda. How are you doing? Just
17: fine. How are you?
1: Good. Where are we calling you today? What state?
17: Uh, I'm in Texas.
1: Texas. They make them big there, don't they? They
17: sure do. (laughs) The animals, I understand,
1: are even big there. So tell me, you're the founder of this Guardian Angels for Soldiers Pets. What do you guys do?
17: Well, our primary purpose is helping our deploying military service members, uh, going into to a combat or designated combat area, peacekeeping, humanitarian-type missions.
1: So when you say help them, and i got to get this right, I don't know how you're helping them. You're taking care of their pets while they go into service? Uh,
17: part of it, uh, one of the programs is our foster home program. Okay. Uh, where we have uh, individuals or families that have registered with us, been vetted, uh, to care for the pets that are submitted through our organization uh, during a specific foster term, which could be anywhere from three months to a year, depending on the situation. And then we have a military pet assistance fund, which is helping primarily right now, or trying to help our homeless veterans with pets. So they are current on shots, spay neutered, microchipped before they're actually placed into one of our foster homes.
7: Mm, Is this a national organization?
17: Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. All 50 states.
7: Have you ever rejected any pets? Do you accept all pets? Do you ever have horses or anything that you can't uh, We for?
17: accept domestic animals, um, com- primarily companion animals: dogs, cats, rabbits, horses, snakes, <laughs> guinea well, pigs, gerbils.
1: Give me an example of a like a current case.
17: Well, right now, most of our com- or most of our submissions for the deploying have been related to peacekeeping: a year in South Korea, mm-hmm. uh, special ops. Uh, which we don't really know where they're going. <laughs> um,
1: so and, you'll hold on to the dog, or you'll have one of your foster families hold on to the dog for a year? Yes. That's amazing. And yeah, how we, is this paid for?
17: Most of the foster home costs to us uh, are primary for recruiting foster homes. Uh, the actual pet care cost uh, is cared for by the pet owner, the same as if they were here. So there's no charge for the service for us to provide it. As far as that goes, but they they still are responsible for the regular pet care related costs during that foster term.
1: Not all of our servicemen return. What happens in that particular situation?
17: Well, uh, fortunately, we've been or luck. Fortunately, we've been very lucky that has not happened to us. Good. Um, that's the you know good news. If there was something to happen, uh, we have the commander or his whoever of the unit uh, has our contact information would call here to our national office if there was a problem like the pet owner got you know wounded Mm -hmm. or uh, (laughs) hopefully not paid the ultimate sacrifice um, then they would contact our national office here
7: how many animals do you have in the foster facilities at one time
17: well in the foster homes keep in mind we have no physical facilities
7: Uh Mm
5: -hmm.
17: okay these are all these pets are goes into individual foster homes Right now, currently, we have 33 in foster wow. uh, since the first of the year. That is about one-third less than we, or about two-thirds less than what we normally have at this time. But, of course, deployments are down.
7: Was there anything that prompted you to start this organization?
17: Well, I had heard of a, a deploying soldier, single soldier, in outside of Toledo, Ohio that was deploying back in um, uh, December, January 2005, and um, went with me and another lady were working to get the animal from Toledo to Hot Springs, Arkansas, to her home. The other uh, lady that that helped started this, Carol Omito, because she was in the animal rescue world, and she said she would keep the dog at her home. Uh, I guess remembers because the dog's name was Scooby-Doo.
5: <laughs>
17: so he always sticks in my mind. Fortunately, a lady closer to where the soldier was in Toledo raised her hand and said, I'll be glad to take care of your pet and give him back to you when you return. So everybody says, oh, well, that's taken care of. We don't have to worry about it. And, of course, I'm one of these people that, you know, learned a long time ago, if there's one, there's more. Exactly. So I started doing Internet search and deploying deployments animals and started finding where all across the country major deployments at that time half of them were having to leave their pets behind primarily the single soldiers because they had nobody you know married soldier military person um you know they got the wife and the kids to take care of the dog um rare occasion due to major medical the spouse or a child in the family then they may need us um But our mission is is primarily trying to help those single military service members and what they call dual military. Husband and wife are both in the military and back in 05, 06, and 07, they were deploying almost at the same time, even though they were in different units. Because everybody was deploying. Now it's quieted down.
2: Wow, you know, it's something that you, that I would have never thought about, but you know, you really shed a lot of light on it for me right now. Thinking about how many people that have to that are in the military that have to be deployed that have pets and, and have nowhere to put them, and it's really not something that I've i thought about much. And wow, this really? this is great. It's great of you.
17: Yeah, there there is a lot of situations the military run into that that in the early days, as I call it, of the organization. They hadn't, you know, really had the thought of it. And then they learned, ooh, I don't even have a pet plant. What do, what do I do with Rover? Sure, you
5: know? sure.
17: So since then, a, a, a lot of the bases, they have workshops. And, and they'll say, you know, they'll ask the simple question, do you have a pet plant? What are you going to do if you receive orders that you're going to Germany for three years and the animal you have is not allowed in Germany?
1: Well, Linda, you are doing fabulous work. I want to give out the website. It's guardian. Angels for Soldiers dot org and we'll put links over at animal dot com. You are a 501c3, so i I assume you're accepting donations.
17: Oh, yes, sir. That's the only way we're able to survive and that's getting harder and harder every day
1: and while you are our hero person of the week i have a feeling that there's a lot of people that uh, you work with that make this all happen that are also heroes
17: oh yes i have not counting the approximately 3100 registered potential foster homes in our network we have 25 what we call administrative support volunteers stretched out all across the country
1: it takes a village
17: Uh, It it sure does, and, and, you know, some people are going, how do you handle 50 states with 14 volunteers? I go, very carefully.
16: Radio's Hero People is underwritten by Zuterin, the only FDA-approved, non-surgical method for sterilization of male dogs. Zuterin offers an alternative to neutering male dogs, thus helping reduce the pet overpopulation problem. One injection provides a safe, permanent, and virtually painless alternative to surgical castration. Zuterin, a permanent and cost-effective alternative to neutering male dogs. Learn more at www.zuterin.com. That's Z-E-U-T-E-R-I-N.
1: This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by the fine folks over at Stella & Chewy's with their brand new intro package. Check out the Chewy's Chicken, the Simply Venison, the Stella Super Beef, the Duck Duck Goose, and the Phenomenal Pheasant. And with these intro packages... Each one of them containing six small patties, you can decide which flavor your animal loves. And I know Ladybug, she actually likes them all, so. She does. It was, uh, really easy with her. Thanks, guys. Stellan Chewies for underwriting Animal Radio. Hey, Joey, how are
2: you doing? Hey, I got a, um, I got a pretty, um, cool tip to talk about because it just happened to come up. When I had this wound, I had a German Shepherd. And a lot of people like to add fatty acids, um, usually fish oil or, um, any type of, you, you can go into any, um, pet store and you can find these additives that, that you'll put in your pet's food. And a lot of people think that when their dog has dry skin, it's gonna help, um, you know, get to take the dandruff away. And in most cases, it doesn't. Now, some cases it will, but in most cases, it does not. This particular person, um, had their dog on a pretty, pretty decent diet that was doing well and she just started to notice that the dog was getting flaky. So she started adding um fish oil. She thought that it was clearing up and then about six months later it progressively had gotten worse. Um hmm. took the dog to the veterinarian and um you know they, they um really couldn't find the problem. Now a lot of times the problem is is when you're adding excess oil what it does, it's going to clog up the, the, the pores of the skin because oh. it's, it's if it if the dog isn't using it, it has to release it somehow. So it's going to it's going to come out in, in two ways: either it's going to come out in the stool, or it's going to come out through the skin. Now, there's a big misconception that dogs don't have skin paws. They do. They just don't sweat through them. But they have they have paws just like um, everything else. And it's funny because I was at a show not too long ago. For,
1: for those of you that uh, are on the West Coast, he's saying pores, I believe, p o r s.
2: Yeah, not paws, p a w s. Pores. Wanted okay. To translate for... Okay. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Listen. Okay. It's, there's that East Coast accent. What can pause. I pause, Paws. um so they what happens is, is I was at this show and they had this gentleman there that had this new um machine and it was called a micro um bubble machine and basically what it does it, it um it it breaks the molecules of the water down smaller than they normally are and it gets down into the skin and pushes everything out well through a microscope he was showing how fatty oils get caught up in the skin and how this removes it and then you could start over but to eliminate that because unfortunately not too many people have this technology yet and to to purchase the technology for groomers is rather expensive being that the unit itself costs eight thousand dollars um yeah and, and a lot of veterinarians um don't have the don't have the technology yet so what you want to do is basically just start eliminating the fatty acids. I'll give you a good example. Did you ever see the um the guy that 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 um has really bad dandruff? When you look at his head and his hair is real, real greasy. Yeah. Okay. Yes. It's not. It's that's. It's not dry skin. It's just. It's it, it's shedding skin cells. Um, because there's a problem, and it could be an overabundance of oil. Well, it's the same thing with with your dogs. And in a lot of cases, eliminate the excess fatty oils that you're putting in there. And I think you're going to have a healthier skin and coat, which, of course, in turn, is going to make the dog look much better, you know, for grooming purposes.
1: What about foods? Should you be feeding dry foods or, or uh, moist foods? Does one or the other make the coat nicer?
2: You know, it, it, it's so funny. It doesn't matter. And the theory right now is that wet food is a little bit more beneficial than dry food. Um, from what I'm hearing. And that all has to do how as well as the quality of the product that you're buying. If you yeah. buy garbage, you're gonna get garbage. Absolutely.
1: It's Animal Radio celebrating our connection with our pets. Toll-free, it's one 866 405 8405 just a couple of minutes, Animal Radio Veterinary Correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker, will be back on today. I don't know what he's talking about today. I have two. He gave you, what, a different topic than than what? Yeah,
7: so we'll so, see. He'll surprise us. It'll
1: either be pet food myths or advances in pet oral care. Either one, both very intriguing. And, of course, Dr. Marty Becker. A great friend of Animal Radio. What are you working on, Tammy?
3: Well, you know, in Japan they recently, about a year ago, put a law into effect that it's a legal obligation if you adopt a pet that you are going to commit to that pet for the rest of its life, which I think is fantastic. Now the first Japanese nursing home for elderly dogs.
18: Oh you gotta love that. Wow, how exciting.
3: Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. A yep, great let them live out their life in luxury. Time. Yeah, isn't it? Oh, it's way about time for sure.
2: What, so what, basically what is this? Is this a new law that they're saying that they, that they have to keep the pet, um, you know, for, mm-hmm. for the pet's lifetime? They can't just
3: discard a, an animal because it's old. They adopt the That's animal cool. and they now make a commitment. Isn't that fantastic? That's
2: pretty cool. I mean, as long as they're taking care of it. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, I guess that would be the important factor in it, that there's no abuse going on. And, and
3: Right. And, and I, I, I think what know, they're they trying to, it, to do is stop this damn senior dumping stuff. That I know with rescue, we see it so often where, you know, here comes this 12, 15, 18 year old cat or dog just dumped at the shelter. You know, don't want it anymore. It's old.
2: I, I, I don't understand that. I mean, I mean no. if, if you go on, no. it's funny thing about social media is it really brings an awareness of what goes mm-hmm. on with these pets to, now, I mean, because you see that a lot. I mean, every other dog that's being posted on there, and mainly thank God for the rescues. The rescues, you know, you'll see yes. this is a 15-year-old dog surrendered by its owner because, mm-hmm. um, because the dog, you know, is it's, it's, it's old. And they showed mm-hmm. it, and you see the picture of the dog, and, and, and you can see that there's definitely it's definitely distressed at this point. It's standing in the corner okay. looking at the wall and
3: going what happened you know, what fair. i do yeah we, we just got a cat up here the other day 15 year old cat couple had had the cat since it was a kitten and the husband died and the wife was not partial to the cat and said, Meh, husband's gone, you're gone too, cat. And this beautiful 15 year old, sweetest darn cat in the universe is at our home now. We're going to love him for however much long he's got. But thinking, how I, I don't know how they're so disposable. It just is beyond my comprehension.
2: That's no, terrible.
3: But Japan's definitely got the right idea. I hope, uh, hope another, a lot of other countries, including here in the U.S., maybe take note of this.
1: Pamela, how are you doing?
19: I'm fine, how are you?
1: Good, where are you today?
19: Today, I'm in South Carolina. I'm from Indiana, and I'm an over-the-road truck driver. Well,
1: welcome to the show. I have Dr. Debbie right here.
6: Hi. And I'm a fellow Hi. Hoosier, too, by the way. <laughs> well, great. That's
19: wonderful. I have two questions. I have a uh, three-and-a-half-year-old cocker spaniel, and he has uh, just, on the last week and a half, excessive tear, tearing. And it's kind of okay. a white mucus, And it's just uh, more than normal
6: okay and is he doing anything else with his eyes rubbing scratching squinting them anything like that
19: no but we have been in some extremely cold weather
6: and as far as has he been on in medications anything else involving the eyes respiratory system anything like that
19: the only thing new for him is that we did put him on blue uh dog food canned food and okay. uh but he's not having any other reactions with that no stool change to speak of or anything he's Mm -hmm. adjusted that pretty well but we've been trying to clean them with fresh water you know about three times a day Mm -hmm. but um, I didn't know if that's something we should be concerned about or if it's just a change in weather
6: well, I'm not terribly troubled by what you're describing. And what I'd call and classify as normal eye goo, <laughs> eye boogers, if we'll talk about that kind of thing on the air, I guess. Um, we can typically see in dogs a, a dry, kind of a crusty brown, which is normal. And some dogs will see kind of a, a mucus, so like kind of a grayish, whitish, booger, if you will. Um, so those can be normal variations for dogs. What I don't like to see are going to be things that are yellow, green, kind of truly more of a, uh, can I say hawker? <laughs> I guess I can, uh, but more like a boogery booger. That that is a bad eye booger. Um, That tells us more about infection, um, something else going on in there. Um, And now if we're having a lot of water tearing, that can be a sign of um, either irritation or something else going on within the eye itself. So it's a little challenging to say from what you're describing. Um, If it's a pattern beyond the norm, anytime I see that, um, you know your dog and you know what's normal for for your pet if this is veering beyond that uh, it might be worthwhile looking at but in general um uh, the pattern of whitish um eye mattering isn't always a bad thing so um i'd really be looking for other signs that there could be some problems scratching rubbing redness any of those type of things
19: no it just seems to bother us more than it does him. <laughs> 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 we
6: have to look at it <laughs> but i of gotta tell you i'm more. I'm with you. I am an eye booger person, so any pet that, that comes into my hospital, it's kind of like I can't control it. I'm sitting there examining the dog, and my fingers kind of work towards the eye and wipe the eye booger out. It's just something I've been doing since I've been a kid, and I, I don't know. It's a quirk. <laughs> so I'm with you.
1: I do that, too. That's All really right. weird that somebody else actually mentioned that they do that. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. 405 8405 Thanks for your call, Pamela. Good luck well, on that. Can
19: I ask you one more thing? Sure. Well, uh, we also have two cats that we're trying to convert to uh, a more holistic food, and we've tried them on Solistic and also on Blue. One cat takes to it. The other one has been like two weeks now and hasn't eaten. At what Mm -hmm. point does that become abusive and we should put her back on our dry food?
6: She hasn't eaten for how long?
19: She hasn't had any dry food or she hasn't eaten any of the uh, new canned food in almost two
6: weeks. Oh. Holy crap. I'm sorry. That, that's bad. She's
19: that a cat. She's about 23 pounds.
6: Okay, that's a problem. Yeah, and if you're doing a food change or in any other situation, a cat that does not eat for two to three days, does not eat anything, that is a medical problem. You need to go see your vet. Um, cats cannot go long periods of time without eating, and this is opposite than dogs. Dogs can go days, weeks if they have no food, and they can survive. A cat, if they do not take in any nutrition orally, they can go into a problem called hepatic lipidosis. And it's basically where their liver goes into a shutdown. And overweight cats are very prone to this. So I would say if that is accurate and you're sure your kitty hasn't eaten anything for that time frame, you need to take them to the vet because that could be a real problem.
19: So in the meantime, I need to get her back on her dry food again also.
6: Yeah. If you've switched the food and she doesn't have access to what she liked or what she's familiar with, I would offer that. But if she doesn't go to that immediately, I would take her right to the vet. Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank you for your
1: call today, Pamela. 1 866 405 8405.
0: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio. Featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, dog trainer Alan Cable, groomer Joey Villani, communicator Joy Turner, and here are your hosts, Al Abrams and Judy Francis. Boy, the phones
1: are already ringing at 1-866-405-8405. Was it something
7: I said? Must be. I haven't said anything yet. Oh, but you're always saying something now.
1: You're just getting a jump on it, aren't you? Uh, If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, or Joey Volani, now's the time to call. Now, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk to Laurel Braitman. She's written a book on Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. Hmm. And she'll talk a little bit about the drugs that are used, like uh, Prozac for animals. Valium, Valium, too? Really? I didn't know they used Valium for animals. Yeah. Good to know. Also on the show in just a few minutes, Dr. Marty Becker. With pet food myths. Now, I think, and I'm not sure on this, I think he's going to say go out and buy all the old Roy you can get right now.
19: <laughs> but
1: I, I could be wrong about that. Hey, Tiffany, how are you doing?
20: Fine. How are you?
1: Good. Where are you calling from today?
20: Reading, Pennsylvania. Reading, PA.
1: Got to love it. Listening on WEEU. What is happening? How can we help you?
20: Every day. Uh, I'm a cat owner. I have one cat. He's six years old. But We had a thunderstorm the other day. And it was really bad. Our sewer pipes are clogged, so everything gets flooded. And a cat actually rescued a newborn kitten. It can't be more than a week old. Huh. And uh, well, it, was it was raining like- cats and dogs yeah. then, huh? It, it, uh, it's doing really good. I have it here, and I'm feeding it uh, evaporated milk, carnation, you know, the milk in a can. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to feed it until I can uh, find a, a
6: good home for it. Okay, And you said, um, are its eyes open or not open at this point?
20: They're open now, and it's about, it can't be more than two weeks old. It's a newborn. Yep.
6: Yeah, usually yeah, puppies and kittens are eyes open between 10 days to 14 days, so yeah. Now, I, I will encourage you, Tiffany, that you need to get kitten milk replacer um, because really every species of animals has certain nutritional requirements, and evaporated milk is not going to meet those needs for a kitten. Um, they actually have a higher uh, fat content um, than a lot of the human milk products that we will take, um, and also that's going to be deficient in, in protein. So it's very easy to find cat milk replacer, um, Um, You can find powdered or liquid formulas um, at your local pet store even probably, you know, Walmarts and uh, places like that. Um, But that's going to be the most important thing is to get her on a kitten milk replacer.
20: They need tarring like my regular house cat. I have an indoor cat.
6: Yes, and that is another great reason why we need to get her on a cat formula. So rather than try to make up and try to make up what you got, and to make it more nutritionally sound, if you go to a cat milk replacer, it already has taurine in it, and taurine is an um, an important amino acid for cats for their eye development, neurological development, and without it, they can definitely have some um, abnormalities. Um so yeah, and I would say, you know, if you don't already have a little um uh, baby bottle, uh you know, we have a little kitten and puppy milk. Um, okay. Well well great. Then all you gotta do is get just cat
20: milk good for kittens. It's in a purple aseptic carton at whiskers, milk.
6: No. We're not looking for adult cat milk, so those are treat milks. You need to find a neonatal or a kitten formula. Um, yes, there's okay. a lot of different brands I, I out there, but
20: ingredients that are sugar in it all. And is sugar, anything with sugar, just plain cane sugar, bad for cats and kittens?
6: Yeah, we don't we don't feed cats or kitten sugar. So, and you won't have to do much reading of labels. All you got to do is go over to that cat cat aisle, find the kitten milk replacer, and everything's going to be in there that you're going to need for right now. Now, once the kitty gets to about three weeks, that's when we start to incorporate some canned food with the kitten milk replacer, and we'll take a little bit of the canned food, a little bit of the kitten milk, and kind of add it together. So it's almost like a little bit of a watered down oatmeal, and you can encourage that by feeding that on your finger. Um, You can put that in a little saucer, let the kitty drink that. Um, But at this point, you know, you ought to be feeding that baby, golly, every couple hours. (laughs) So I'd want to make sure that we are feeding her. And then right afterwards, you know, hopefully, about stimulating her and, and cleaning her backside.
20: Yeah, 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 I know all that. Now I have a little litter box. I can train it. Now how many ounces of milk do they need a
17: day?
6: Well, it's going to depend on their weight and where they're at. So most kittens will gain about... 10 to 15 grams of their body weight per day so you know it's going to depend on where the kitty is at this point point. and by two weeks of age I'd say you know we are eating about 70-80 milliliters per pound of their weight so um, that's the other thing is we want to make sure with kittens or puppies if you're hand raising them that we're weighing them twice a day and making sure we're doing positive gains if we're not that's a symptom of illness and that may precede you noticing anything wrong with the kitten Um yeah. And, uh, making sure that she's, you know, keep continuing to gain. Now I did mention just for those who didn't know what we we're talking about when we talked about cleaning the backside. Um, puppies and kittens, when they're newborns, don't have the ability to urinate and defecate on their own. They're stimulated by their mother. So we, as the oh. surrogate mother, have to clean that area. So I usually use a, a damp wash rag and basically try to gently rub the hindquarters, um, the anal and the urinary opening after they eat. And that helps to stimulate them to urinate That's and defecate. And without that, they'll get all bound up.
20: Uh, so they're more or less just like any other baby, a human baby, every two hours and They cry when they're hungry. Uh, I have one more question, quick. Mm -hmm. Are they more or less like how a bird is? If you find a baby bird falling out of the nest after a storm and it's abandoned, once a human touches it, the mother won't uh, come back for it?
6: Not necessarily, no. So that's not... Not likely the case. Now, if you had a storm, I would certainly be worried that mom and or any other babies might be disoriented or lost in, in the weather. So if you didn't find a mom nearby and you've checked around and no neighbors heard anything, then I think you did the right thing taking this little one in. And especially, um, you know, neonatal kittens and puppies, they just can't keep their body temperature up. So it is important to make sure that you're providing some, um, outside source of warmth. Preferably, I like, you know, hot water bottles, um, or heat lamps. Um, I prefer those over the heat and pad because you can get hot spots on those and burn them.
20: Dr. Debbie, I was just wondering uh, if uh, I, like, give it to the mother and she turns away and don't take it, is is that like a, or let me uh, say it vice versa, if I would find the mother and give it to her, will the mother take the kitten back?
6: Potentially. And it it depends on, you know, if that mom is, um, if she's tame, if she's feral, um, you know, if she's in good health, if she has the other baby. So it's possible. Um, If you, I don't know that I would spend uh, immense amounts of time if the cat's not in the immediate surrounding, um, you know.
20: I put it down in the middle of the tree, then on the the sidewalk, and it wouldn't take it, I'm thinking, because it didn't have anywhere to go with it.
6: Mm, Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you've done a good thing, and, and hopefully, this little one will continue to thrive and, and get this kid on the right food. And uh, um, you know, we'll see how she can do with that.
20: Thanks. Yeah, for your- thank you. I appreciate your help. I'm going to put an ad in the paper to put her up, to find her a, a good home. And I appreciate your help. I didn't know where to go. Thank you very much. God bless you. You're a blessing.
1: Well, well, thank you, Tiffany. You're awesome. Thanks for listening.
20: Thank you. Bye bye.
1: Toll free 1-866-405-8405 to Dr. Debbie, dog trainer Alan Cable, dog father Joey Villani. You're a blessing. You knew that. We knew that.
6: That's nice to hear.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
8: Sam Adams, summer ale season. <laughs> I love the summer ale. Oh,
10: Woo, summertime's here. I
8: like the citrus. Crisp and
14: refreshing. It's light. It's not too hoppy. The grains of paradise add a nice little spice to the beer. Smooth refreshing it's summertime time for sam adams summer ale it's perfect it be great for cookouts spending some time outdoors
12: this is the experience for a sam adams summer i could drink that all summer long
10: it's really a good beer it really is definitely good summer beer Brewed
14: especially for summer sam adams summer ale boss beer
10: pretty awesome massive responsibly
2: geico presents strange savings stories ken marcus was making a pastrami sandwich when he noticed an odd pattern on a slice of pumpernickel bread one that spelled out geico Ken found himself visiting Geico.com, saving hundreds of dollars on car insurance with great discounts. Later, Ken felt conflicted whether or not he should eat the slice of bread that saved him so much money. But he was so
10: hungry. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Get something started. (laughs) That's the sound of a Kubota BX Series, America's top-selling subcompact tractor for over 11 years running. And it's easy to see why. The BX is easy to own and easy to drive, with more for your money, like a rugged Kubota diesel engine, standard power steering, and four-wheel drive. But that's just the beginning of all the big potential this subcompact tractor brings to your property. Got lots of loading, hauling, and digging to do? Add Kubota's quick-attach front-end loader or backhoe. How about acres of grass to mow? Add a Kubota mid-mount mower deck. The versatile BX is part landscaping crew, part property manager, and all Kubota. Now is an excellent time to make it yours with low-rate, long-term financing available now. Kubota BX Series, America's top-selling subcompact tractor of the decade. Built for the best things in life.
11: Visit Kubota.com to find your local Kubota
19: dealer. Hi, Joanne Worley on Animal
17: Radio. Hello! And please spay and neuter your pets. Be a responsible pet owner. As a matter of fact, spay and neuter your friends' pets also.
1: Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog wants me to tell you download the Animal Radio app right now. It's free for iPhone, Android, or Blackberry. And you can uh, browse the resources, listen to old shows, ask your questions of Dr. Debbie, Alan Cable, or Joey Volani straight from the app. It's a free download. Do it now, she says. She's jumping up and down. Her ears are wagging. Her tail's a wagging. Oh, she is so cute. That's not true. She's asleep right now, (laughs) as she usually is right now.
7: Hey, but she's here. She gets credit for that.
1: Well, you've seen him on the Dr. Oz Show. He's the author of 22 books that have sold more than 7 million copies combined, including three New York Times bestsellers. And best of all, he's the Animal Radio veterinary correspondent, Dr. Marty Becker. How are you doing?
18: Oh, friends, good. You know, today I was writing an article about the five things that I did today that non-pet owners would probably find disgusting. Uh-oh. <laughs> and and, and ex- An example is uh, I saw the dog eating... Horse manure. Oh, yes. so she comes out of there, and I go, "Oh, you's a bad girl." Oh, you's a bad girl. And she gives me a big old kiss on the side of the oh. cheek. You know. <laughs> oh, and, yes. And, and then, and then picking eye buggers. Like my wife and I, I'll get these tiny little white eye bugger the corner, and she goes, "Oh God, get it." I said, "Get it for me." No. Oh, gross. And yet I see her. The dog's down there, and she's casually looking at it over like these monkeys you see at the zoo where they're picking stuff off of it. That's she's mean. just prying the eye boogers off of it, doesn't care a bit, you know? That's
1: me. Uh, <laughs> That's- yeah. <laughs> other uh, things that we do for our animals. I think we should talk about the pet food myths.
18: Well, l- let me tell you what's happened. When I was uh, got out of veterinary school in 1980, you know, we were, we learned some things about pet food about nutritionally balanced and complete and some of that stuff has never changed. You know, pet diets can be made up of a variety of ingredients and they could have meat or meat byproducts, grains of different kinds various sources of vitamins and minerals and preservatives. But what's important is that it contains everything it needs. Now, a a dog's food needs 44 essential nutrients, and a cat's food needs 48 essential nutrients, which means you can feed cat food for a dog if you want. Sometimes if an older dog's kind of lost their appetite, we'll actually recommend that. And they'll do just fine on it, although they tend to gain weight on it because it's really palatable.
1: That's the one thing that we try not to do with our dog is let them eat the cat food because she'll put on all kinds of pounds if she does.
18: All kinds of pounds. But you can't feed dog food to a cat. We still have people do this because they'll buy one kind of food. And there's especially one of these essential amino acids called taurine that's not in dog food. And cats can actually go blind from it. So... You you can't feed dog food to a cat, but what what's happened is I can remember literally when the the pet food section in the grocery store in the in a pretty good sized grocery store was eight feet long, and then it went up to sixteen feet, and now it's both Huge. sides of the aisle. Yes. Yeah. And then you go into Petco or PetSmart or one of these stores, and it's bewildering the number of choices. And I had to have somebody prove this to me, but there are now foods that are $20 a pound for kibble. it 's one $160 for an eight-pound bag of food. Wow. And so you see these people, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, you see these people that go in there and they'll look at these beautiful packaging. I mean, there's this wolf <laughs> devouring this elk on the front of it, and And there's a salesperson there on the weekends from these pet food companies and they have them do this test, you know, put your food up against this. And it's all, it's all designed like three card money in New York, you know, where you put the ball under the ping pong ball under the shells (laughs) and move it around. And oh, pretty soon it's, Oh my gosh, I've got to feed it. I just have to find the money to do it. So what people will do is they'll, they'll spend money and I'm going to say waste money on pet food that they could be better using to look after their, their pet's health. So let's start with this. There was a recent article, six veterinary nutritionists at veterinary colleges. You're not going to get much more authentic than that. Uh-huh. Not a single one, not six veterinary nutritionists at six veterinary schools had ever seen a case of a nutritional deficiency come into the hospital.
9: Okay.
18: Which that means, that means there's millions of dogs and cats that are successfully fed diets that some people would turn their nose up at. They'd go mm-hmm. buy a, you know, a discount store or a big box store. Or a pet store and think, oh gosh, that's so much less. I shouldn't feed that. They do just fine on it. And one of the new things we see now too is people talking about fillers. This is used with fillers, and they say it's, you know, it's got corn or it's got this and that fillers. And what people will do is try to go, you know, really, it's kind of a what would you say a highly covered, colored and emotionally charged language, and it's maybe unconsciously, but it has the effect of provoking an emotional response and getting you to switch from, you know, from a you, you form a biased opinion, and you spend this money that you don't need to spend.
15: Yeah,
1: well, so are you saying we don't need to spend the money? Because I know, for instance, uh, Judy, you had a cat that lived on Friskies for what seventeen, 17 years, years, had that's no problems, was Friskies. And yeah. yet, I am—I won't put anything in my cat's mouth that I won't eat myself.
18: Well, it's—it's it's really funny within our group that write together. You know, we write a syndicated column. And I've written twenty-four uh-huh. books. I fed commercial food my entire life. I have two seventeen-year-old cats that uh, that eat meow mix. <laughs> They've yep. never been to the vet. Uh-huh. I have I have a a fourteen-year-old golden retriever that's never been to the vet. She's lean. She's active. She's cancer-free so far. Uh, I have other people at work that cook for their, their pets with something that they would eat themselves, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And somebody else that uses a commercial raw diet, which is fine. What I just don't want to see people do, though, is think you have to spend this incredible amount of money to feed your pet because it's going to really dramatically help its health because it's not. And also to think, well, you can't feed food that has corn in it. You can't feed food that has wheat in it. I need to go to a grain-free diet. Uh, these grain-free diets, all they're doing is really substituting one carbohydrate source for another one. It's not that it's, it's better. Now, now, some pets, you have to understand, will have a food allergy to something, Then there is some benefit to switching foods sometimes, as recommended by your veterinarian. But there's, uh, you know, basically, if it's complete, which means it contains all the necessary nutrients, if it's balanced, which means it contains the nutrients in the proper portion, if it's tasty which is palatable enough to be eaten and adjustable enough so all the nutrients can get into the body and safe to eat. Remember that from the pet food recall. You can feed you can feed a food that's uh, you know, 2 dollars a pound. It's they're going to do most of them are going to do just fine. Isn't
1: there like a certification that we look for on the side of the package and and yeah. if that's if that's yes, on there, you, yeah, okay.
18: If if it has the AFCO, it's called the Association of American Food uh, Feed Control Officials, uh-huh. AAFCO. If that's on the package, uh it's okay to feed. Now, yeah. now one thing, one thing too. I want to want to make this clear. People can certainly cook for their own pets. Uh, we went through this for the pet food recall, and some. Uh, I remember a company at the time wanted me to tamp it down, you know, and say, "No, you can't feed your pet." Heck, if my if my daughter can cook for her four and a half year old grandchild, you can cook for a pet. It's just not as easy as some people think, and although these six veterinary nutritionists that had never seen a case of nutritional uh, deficiency, all of them had seen many cases of nutritional excesses. So that's the person that has the Chihuahua that'll only eat chicken breast. So that's where you that's where you run into problems. So you can talk to your veterinarian for a recommendation of a book or an online place to help you create diets. Uh, again, there are other kind of diets that are you know commercially available that are raw, but for most people. I like them to feed a dry food that 's uh you know commercial food that 's uh, able to use in a food dispensing puzzle or treat, so we can get them to kind of work for their food to not just feed the body but feed the mind
1: all good stuff, very good to know. I uh, I don't think I personally will change my shopping habits, but interesting. What do you think about this, Dr. Debbie?
6: Well, I agree with a lot of what he said, and I, I have to say, though, I have seen a thiamine deficiency in a home-fed, uh, a cat that was fed uh, two products from home. It was not cat food, um, but the cat liked it, so he felt that those two items, one was cereal, <laughs> human cereal, <laughs> and I can't remember what the other was, but the cat actually did develop a clinical thiamine defi- deficiency, which but that responded.
1: Yeah, that wasn't, in particular, it wasn't like old Roy, it was, It was food that was just off the table that wasn't designed for the animals.
6: No, it was human food that yes. the guy thought. I like it, so my cat yeah. likes it, so it's good for him. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, and I do agree yep. that you know the grain free movement, it, it is a movement, and I think it's kind of a catchphrase a lot of people are grabbing onto for their own health. And that uh, very commonly, it's more the bee for the chicken in that previous food that the pet may have a food allergy to. It's not really the the grains that they've had a reaction with. So mm-hmm.
18: she's she, um, she said it, she said it perfectly. It's often it's not the grains. It's the it's the protein source in the meats. And here, here's what why i'm so passionate about this and I, I think dr deb would agree these people will spend this incredible amount of money on this food but they'll neglect other important things in their pet's health because uh-huh. it's not in the budget so you you feed something that's 80 90 dollars for this tiny bag and yet you delay getting their teeth cleaned Mm-hmm. And, and this is something else, by the way. I was taught back when early on, you know, back 30 years ago, that dry food helped keep their teeth clean. That's actually not true. Yeah. Uh, dry food and canned food are about the same. Semi-moist does cause an increase in plaque and tartar. Uh, the high-protein diets do not cause kidney disease either. Uh, and just feeding lamb and rice dyes nice, don't prevent allergies. They were initially thought to address these allergies you know, to, because they were novel proteins, they weren't chicken and beef. But a lot of these things go back to a skin problem too. They think there's a skin problem. They go into the pet store and they say, if you feed this, it'll get rid of it. And, and Dr. Deb and I know often these are environmental allergies and instead of spending money on that $100 bag of dog food, go to your veterinarian for a POCWOL, this new drug that, that works like a miracle to stop these pets from biting, chewing, licking, scratching, and itching,
0: and then you've got your treatment and your cure.
1: Mm. All good information. Dr. Marty Becker, thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, friends. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi,
9: this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. (laughs) If it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out.
7: At Stella & Chewy's, they're dedicated to the simple proposition that pets should be healthy and happy. Their commitment to quality starts with their ingredients. Every Stella & Chewy's product is made with raw, naturally raised meat, poultry, or fish, sourced from USDA-inspected facilities, without added hormones or antibiotics. Unlike commercial pet food, which is one of the most highly processed products on the planet, with much of its nutritional value cooked away, Stella & Chewy's dog and cat food is nutritious and delicious. Learn more at StellaAndChewy's.com.
8: Now is the time for new flooring in your home because Lumber Liquidators has every floor on sale with the end of quarter clearance sale on right now. Get huge savings in all flooring like quick-click pre-finished hardwood for $169 a square foot, solid hand-scraped horizontal bamboo for $179, and this weekend only get 8mm cherry laminate for just 69 cents. So go to LumberLiquidators.com to find the store nearest to you. Special 24-month financing is available, but hurry, this end of quarter clearance sale ends this Monday. Little Jack Horner sat in a corner of his ransacked apartment, wondering what kind of nitwit steals a futon. Luckily, the Geico Insurance Agency had helped him with renter's insurance, and he got full replacement. Unfortunately, Little Jack Horner had to have his stomach pumped when he ate a six-month-old
14: Christmas pie. Visit Geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. So what are you feeding your dog? If you didn't answer canine caviar, visit caninecaviar.com today and get your pet started on a longer, healthier life.
11: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Supplies with thousands of quality products at low prices every day so you save on every order. Visit fosterandsmith.com. And I'm Tammy Trujillo. A Japanese pet company is opening a nursing home
3: for elderly dogs. This is fantastic. The Aeon Pet Facility provides round the clock veterinary care, a specialist gym, and a swimming pool. It also has a large grooming room, and owners are able to stay with their animals as they live out the last of their days in luxury. The president of the company says he intends to use the first dog retirement home to hone the company's skills and establish an industry standard Aeon Pet is already the largest specialty pet company in Japan. and In the past few years, health services in Japan have really improved. Just last year, new laws went into effect in that country that make it a legal obligation for pet owners to take care of their animals until that pet dies. There is a very different face in the collection of 7th graders' pictures in the yearbook of a Texas middle school right next to this very adorable little blonde is a gorgeous Labrador-Golden Retriever mix. And that little girl is Rachel Benke, and that dog is her epilepsy service dog, Taxi. He has been right by her side for four years, and this year, well, he got into the yearbook. Taxi is able to predict when Rachel's about to have a seizure, and he's also able to protect her from getting hurt when it happens. Taxi, by the way, is a seeing-eye dog training failure he flunked out of seeing eye dog training because of what they call a cat distraction disorder. Taxi's not the only four-footed grad this year being honored. Shawnee joined his best friend Jessica Hayes of Lubbock, Texas. She and her service dog both wore a cap and gown as they walked across the stage recently at the Roosevelt High School graduation. This yellow lap senses Jessica's seizures 10 to 15 minutes before they happened. Happened rather, he was honored at the ceremony with a special treat and a certificate for quote, outstanding service, loyalty, and companionship to Jessica. Well, quick two answers, two questions for you. Do you know where your smartphone is and do you know where your puppy is? Some 28 million Americans say they have had at least one of their digital devices destroyed by a pet. That is according to a new survey from Square Trade. Four out of ten say their pets gnawed through the power cord. Yeah, I'm one of those. One in three say the pet chewed their phone to pieces or uh, did something else to make it rather unusable. I'm going to leave that one to your imagination for the moment. Canines, of course, the leading culprits here. Puppies three times more likely to do the deed. In one out of four cases, the pets did the damage while the person was actually using the device. Yes, that would be me. Power cord, phone call, interrupted, puppy. Yeah. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an
11: animal radio news update brought to you by doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies. Visit fosterandsmith.com for pet supplies selected by veterinarians with 100% satisfaction
9: guaranteed.
14: So what are you feeding your dog? If you didn't answer Canine Caviar, visit CanineCaviar.com today and get your pet started on a longer, healthier life.
8: Not available in California. Do you have startup capital and are looking to invest in a booming health-based business? Here's your opportunity, because we're looking for business-savvy, healthy-minded people in this area to become franchise owners of Fresh Healthy Vending Machines, the number one healthy vending franchise in North America. Fresh Healthy Vending is a publicly traded company. With your Fresh Healthy Vending Machines, you'll be selling exactly what America wants, all natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. And with the USDA Smart Snacks and School Nutrition Guidelines starting and banning junk food in schools, the demand for fresh, healthy snacks is only getting bigger. Fresh Healthy Vending has identified prime vending machine locations in this area, and we place your machines for you so you can capitalize on the huge demand for healthy organic snacks on the go. Ready to grab your share of this booming industry? Visit readyforfresh.com today and enter code 2222 for free owner information. Locations in this area are filling up fast, so visit readyforfresh.com special code 2222. I wish I were your dog. Why is that? Cuz you're so good.
6: I am an attentive mom, maybe a little over attentive. I can I can definitely be kind of like a, a doggy soccer mom. <laughs>
5: <laughs> i'm
6: very'm I'm very involved in my dog's upbringing, and i'm very uh I'm a tough parent and I am a tough um client for the veterinarian oh, I <laughs> so, bet you
1: are you don't take your dog to another veterinarian though
6: um no i I allow my husband to do most of the bad stuff um the mean stuff and and I do all the you know routine things but uh I'm a mama, so you know I can't look at my baby as a patient she's my baby
1: that must be hard yeah. I know that uh my dad who was a doctor, would never work on anybody in the family just because, I guess, they, it was too close. And that's sort of the policy in human medicine, but not so, I guess, for veterinary medicine.
13: Oh, that's cool, man. Was your dad a general practitioner?
1: No, he was a gynecologist.
13: <laughs> really? <laughs> that explains a lot.
1: Yeah. yeah, I was I was bummed because I never got to go to take your kid to work day with him. which <laughs> is, a good uh,
6: reason, <laughs> I'll tell you. All he had were Her
1: sons. Uh, You know who we have on the phone? This is kind of cool. We're always talking about compulsive behaviors that some dogs have, anxious dogs, what they'll do when they're anxious. And there's a book out, a brand new book out called Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. And the author, Laurel Braitman, is on the phone. Hi, Laurel. How are you doing?
20: Hey, good. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Thank you for coming on the show. So now, a quick synopsis without giving away the book. What is a, a, a summary of what's going on in it?
20: Oh, well, almost a decade ago now, I adopted a Bernie Mountain Dog. He was a rescue, and for the first six months, he was just a dream dog, sweet, affectionate, fine. And then he developed uh, debilitating separation anxiety and a number of other problems. After six months? um, Yeah, he was fine for six months. Um, but so you wound up on liver flavored Prozac and Valium and all kinds of other things and I just was shocked. I'd only heard rumor of dogs being on these kinds of drugs and I decided to try and get to the bottom of this. Like how how do these drugs get inside of our veterinary clinics? And why? And do they work in the same way in uh in other animals as they do in us?
7: Mm. Did they work for your dog?
20: The Prozac didn't but the Valium did. He had severe thunderstorm anxiety. And as long as we could drug him a half an hour before the storm hit with Valium, he didn't panic so much.
1: Whatever uh, causes a dog to start having separation anxiety after six months? Was there an event that triggered that?
20: No. In fact, uh, what I found, so talking actually with a lot of um, child psychiatrists too, is that this is a fairly common thing. A lot of us, when we have... um, a disruptive life event, we're we're sort of on our best behavior for a little while, and not until we feel more comfortable does our anxiety begin to surface. It's almost like we can keep a lid on those things um, until we feel okay. So ironically, him feeling a little bit safer with us might have made those symptoms manifest about six months in.
1: Wow. You were talking about Prozac. Now Nike, the studio cat here, is on Prozac. Has been on Prozac for how long, Judy?
7: Quite a few years. Qu- yeah. Quite a few years. He's nervous, cat. He paces.
1: He paces. What? What else was wrong with him? He uh, was he's urinating, spraying.
7: He was spraying and pacing all over the house and just stopping and spraying. Has Prozac made a difference for him? Oh yeah. You know he hasn't sprayed in years and he doesn't pace the house anymore. He's he's still you know he still has a little bit of anxiety, but he's a much calmer cat. Now, he's actually able to lay down and go to sleep during the day where before he would just be on the, the pace up and down up the stairs, every window. He just couldn't relax.
1: Yeah. What kind of case studies are you finding? Are you finding that it is successful or not successful?
20: You know, it seems to be about as successful in other animals as it is in humans. That is, it really depends on the cat. I'm thrilled it worked for Nike. You know, for many other cats and for dogs like my dog and, frankly, for lots of gorillas and whales on this medication, too, there's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not one antidepressant or one anti-anxiety med that works for everyone. And we've found that with human medicine. Um, You know, we're we're all such individuals, and you can't treat us at the species level. Um, So I think the drugs can be helpful, but it really depends on your cat or your parrot um, or your bonobo.
1: Do they have mental illnesses, the same mental illnesses that humans have?
20: I think that we suffer from very similar forms of mental illness. And by we, I mean a hell of a lot of the animal kingdom. Um, Some of the most common mental problems in humans stem from fear and anxiety. So the the most common mental disorders after addiction are fear and anxiety disorders in people. And fear and anxiety is something that we share with most of the animal kingdom. You know, it's, it's helpful when it keeps us from danger. The problem is when we feel fear and anxiety in situations that don't call for it, and it keeps us from leading a happy, normal life. And, and I did see instances of that throughout the animal kingdom. Um, you know, I didn't really look at insects very much or sure. um, crustaceans. But uh, certainly it's true in mammals, a lot of birds and even some invertebrates.
7: Do you find that people are trying to find a quick fix or just reaching for the pills or are they actually trying to get to the bottom and solve the problem?
20: You know, it depends on the pet owner. And it depends on the zoo, frankly. I mean I think just the particularly, you know, using antipsychotics in, say, gorillas or wombats when they're, they seem compulsive or upset. Well, what know, makes a compulsive
1: I- wombat? That's just what I want to know. <laughs> what
20: upsets him? <laughs> a compulsive huh. wombat often um, waves their little paws in the air backwards as if they're doing, like, a land back paddle <laughs> to nowhere. I do that. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. You know, so but if the Wombat is, you know, doing that obstacle back battle, but they're doing it because they're unhappy in their zoo exhibit, you know, then I think it's ethically dubious and not fair to medicate them into compliance with the situation they shouldn't be in. That said, you know, when, when you look at a case like, you know, Nike the cat, I mean, you you, you guys have really, like, enhanced Nike's quality of life. So I, I think it depends on the situation, but I think in general, like with people, you know, they they can be a crutch. Uh, if you need more exercise, and that would that would make you feel better and help lift your depression, you should be doing that in addition to medication.
13: Did you learn any techniques for working with your dog besides medication? Did you find any ways that you could help your dog? Like, let's say the thunderstorm. You know, when I, when I help a dog who's afraid of fireworks or thunderstorms. We just take walks in thunderstorms. We have a good time in the thunderstorm. And slowly over time, I've been able to change the association of fear to pleasure in a lot of dogs.
20: Fantastic. Yes, I did try that with him. Medication, in my case, was sort of a last resort. Uh, he one day became so panicked. Uh, he'd only been left alone for about two hours and there was no thunderstorm, but he became so anxious that he pushed our window air conditioning unit out of the way, chewed a <sighs> hole through our screen and jumped out of our fourth floor apartment. And oh so my gosh. he he was and you know, he survived. And he was so he was an extreme case. Um, you know, but so before I tried the medication with him, you know, we did, yes, behavioral modification training. I tried to give him treats during thunderstorms, we played him sounds of thunder um when there weren't storms to try and get him used to it uh we tried exposing him to lots of other animals we hired dog walkers i mean I really I, I tried
1: herbs Now, are you uh typically a nervous person uh, yeah, I know you that some I know that you know all <laughs> you sound like a nerve well, yeah. well my cat reflects me totally if I'm ill my cat's <laughs> ill our moods are the same you do sound like you do live life on the edge there maybe a little stressed does that I mean well, yeah
13: let me let me ask you this question what? when you were going through this whole process and you know your dog was developing this severe separation anxiety what did it do to you I mean didn't it make you a nervous wreck
20: As, after he jumped out of the house that's when it became really difficult for me and, and my ex-husband, my, my husband at the time, um, because we couldn't leave him alone. I mean, he was 120 pounds. Um, and He could be really destructive and he could really hurt himself. And so that was really stressful. And um, I do think, in general, animals. Of course, you know they're so intuitive. Often, much more intuitive than we are, particularly to nonverbal cues.
1: We're with Laurel Breitman, the author of Animal Madness: How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what about this anthropomorphism stuff? Thinking your animals feel something that you might feel as a human? Do they really? We'll find out next. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets, we are with Laurel Braitman. She's the author of Animal Madness, How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parrots, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves.
13: Let me ask you this question. What? When you were going through this whole process, and you know your dog was developing this severe separation anxiety, what did it do to you? I mean, didn't it make you a nervous wreck, and you were just so concerned, and you couldn't sleep, and you were freaking out the whole time?
20: I'm sure he was picking up on my anxiety. There's no way he couldn't have been. But I wouldn't say mine started first. Like, I was so overjoyed to have a dog. Sure. <laughs> and and I'm not generally a nervous person, although, I don't know, I'm on the radio right now, so maybe I sound more nervous than normal. Well, but, do, uh, when
13: you
1: give him a valium,
13: just, you I'm just, just so split so it in half. I'm just so curious to talk to you. <laughs> just, I could talk to you for hours. I, I wish I could have been around what, when you were dealing with your dog. I just would love to see what was going on. I just am fascinated because, you know, I've seen dogs develop anxiety a lot of times. And, yeah, sometimes it's just in the dog. You know, Like you say, you know, there's no... Other way to help them than with medication, but a lot of times it's the owner causes the whole thing.
5: You know, and that's just what because. Alan.
6: I was going to say is that this can, I cannot stress enough the importance of early exposures and socializing puppies and kittens when yeah. they're young, and it, it isn't always that the the behaviors these kind of fears develop later. They, we just don't provide them with the tools to cope with those noises or those new things when they're really young, and then that starts to manifest when they're older. So, uh, really, puppies and kittens get around noises around new people new things because that'll yep. go a long yep. way
1: that's sure well that's why ladybugs not socialized at all because she hasn't been around young or yeah. any animals so and now well, when she is she's afraid years. of them yeah. yeah in your book you talk a little bit about the usefulness of anthropomorphism
20: well so anthropomorphism or the projection of human desires and motivations and viewpoints onto other animals usually gets a bad name yes. um, and i think those of us who live with other creatures you know we do it anyway like like most people have a secret voice they use um to talk for their dogs <laughs> you know um or we have conversations I know my editor talks to her cat sure universe, outing her here i guess um <laughs> but uh, you know most of us we, we have these like secret lives with our other animals but no one's paying attention and we feel sort of ashamed about that and i think I think that's ridiculous. I actually think we should be public about that because identifying with them often helps us help them.
1: But do we put uh, diseases it, names on them just because we as humans suffer them? Like, if if I'm depressed, do I think my animal is depressed? Or if I'm bipolar, do I think my animal is bipolar?
20: I mean, most people I talk to know, you know, that there is, there is a pretty healthy separation, you know. The thing is, though, is identifying with your animal and realizing what their version of normal is mm-hmm. helps you understand when there's a change in their behavior. Um, so it's not the same as, as you projecting your own feelings onto them. Okay. Um, instead, I think, you know, it's a way of, of thinking about changes in their behavior that can sometimes be minute and easy to overlook. And if you're paying a lot of good attention to your creature... And you have an understanding that they can suffer from depression or OCD, then you're going to notice it if it
1: happens. This is all very intriguing. Yes, it is. It's uh, made me. W- I'm going to take one of these books here, Judy. Is that okay? Yeah. How many copies do we have? Well, we have
7: it? five, so now. We're- hey, I'm
1: sorry, we have so many questions, but we're so <laughs> so out of time here. Laurel Breitman, thank you so much for joining us. The book is called Animal Madness: How Anxious Dogs, Compulsive Parents, and Elephants in Recovery Help Us Understand Ourselves. I'll put links over at the website at animalradio.com, and maybe we'll have you on again.
20: That would be my
0: pleasure. You're awesome. You did a great job. Oh,
20: thank you guys so much for having me. I'm a big fan. Thank
0: you. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating our connection with our pets. And I just
1: found out that, Dr. Debbie, you have a bunch of uh, what cameras in your office or TV monitors in your office that are. Where are they hooked?
6: Well, they just, they look at pretty much all the entrances and certain work areas of the hospital, and it's nothing weird, it's, you know, it's a modern is, is day, it? controlled drugs, you know, we have to just have basic security.
1: Oh, okay, so that's pretty common and typical, and you were just looking at a uh, a bird that was, uh, what was happening? Yeah.
6: Well, yes, I, I can hear and see that there's a uh, cockatoo that is a little bit of, he's objecting to uh, being examined, and there's some uh, wings flapping and some vocalizing going on, which, yeah. You can imagine. <laughs> it's kind of squawky. Is that by our friend Darius? It sure is. Yes, Dr. Darius, is. he loves his birds, and he's working on them. So he's a magician with the birds, but they still vocalize. You know, it's just they're not used to being restrained. And, sure.
1: Uh... Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Good. Where are you today?
15: Uh, I live in eastern Pennsylvania. I'm traveling in Massachusetts right now.
1: Okay. What's going on with your animal? The good doctor, Dr. Debbie, is right here.
15: Well, hi, Tom. Hi, Dr. Debbie. What can we do for you? I, I adopted... A dog from a shelter about two months ago, and I haven't been able to identify its breed. And um, I've looked online, and, and I suspect that he's dingo and whippet. I was wondering—I know there's DNA tests, but I was wondering if you could tell me anything about dingoes or um, maybe help me identify the breed.
6: The true dingo is a wild Australian dog. Um so the likelihood of having a true dingo or dingo hybrid in the States, not terribly likely. <laughs> um now there are a lot of breeds that look like dingoes and I get a lot of Shiba Inus that some folks will say they think are dingoes. Um some of the spitzes and such, sometimes they can look like them. But um uh, there is an actually a what they call the American dingo, which to me doesn't really quite look the same. Um, but that's an actual breed that's out there. Now you mentioned DNA testing, and um, for me, I'd say that's probably the most definitive way that we're going to know. Sometimes we can go with some general characteristics on the body shape, the type, um, and you mentioned something like a whippet. In whippets, because they're a sight hound, they kind of have those nice, lean, tucked-up abdomens like greyhounds. Um, they tend to be very lean dogs, muscular, tall, um, but I really look for that abdomen, that tucked-up look to them. Um, as far as some of the other characteristics, if you're describing what looks like a dingo, we could really cross over many different um, breeds there, um, whether it is something like a Shiba Inu, which is actually a Japanese dog, um, or if we get into the Spitzes. Um, so, you know, it probably can't help you a whole lot with that, but it, it would be something fairly easy to do a DNA test and get some good information. Now, does your pet have any special behavior characteristics that we can kind of help to narrow this down?
15: Well, the other day uh, a guy walked up to me and asked me what kind of dog it was, and I, I said I didn't know. He said, well, it looks Tingo. He, he spent some time in Southern Australia. He said, um, does he jump straight up in the air? I uh-huh. said, yeah, he does. He said, well, yeah, I think that's Tingo. And, um, he also scavenges like a wild dog. he will eat dead frogs and like snake skins. And, um, so uh-huh. I've never, I, I've had two other dogs, and I've you know never seen that. He also looks like the Australian dingo, the curly tail like a dingo, but then you know also has yeah. whipper features. Your bronze like a, an Italian grey. Yeah.
6: As much as we might want to make them a dingo, I'm I'm going to say it's very unlikely, and mostly also because um, for dogs that are dingo crosses, they they still retain a lot of their wild dog uh, behaviors, so they're not really domesticated animals. They don't tend to behave as well as pets, and people that do have dingo hybrids, um, they tend to be more like um, many of the wild dog crosses. So uh, probably not, so I'm going to probably dispel that myth, Um, but I would say DNA testing would be great. Um, The jumping behavior. and the the foraging behaviors, you know, some dogs are just really adept at finding things. And if I b- bury a little bit of chocolate anywhere within my backyard, I'll guarantee you my dog is going to find it. So the jumping <laughs> behaviors, you know, I see that a lot in Jack Russell terriers, um, that they can just have springs in their feet. Um, so nothing there really makes me want to believe that you got a dingo on your hands, but, uh, maybe just some really crossed over little small breed type dogs that have a lot of energy, maybe some hunting background in their genetics, but, uh, you know. I had encourage you to do the DNA
1: test here's the thing with the DNA test and, and of course we have lots of experience with the DNA tests we did the uh <laughs> the cheek swabs and we did the uh, blood, blood tests test. but the one criteria is that it had to be a part of a breed profile that the that was part of the test and the dingo not being part of it We could rule out it being the dingo, but we couldn't uh give a positive that it is the dingo in any of the DNA tests that are out right now you know that um okay
15: what's can you tell me a little bit how the DNA process works? Well, so you said a, a, a saliva swab is
1: We did the saliva swab test twice and we, we were not really happy with the results. We got no. different results.
7: Right. Different results from both of them, so we went ahead and we did the blood one. Uh, it's called the Wisdom Panel by Mars, and we were able to. You can order it online, and they send you a kit. And the kit has a tube, and what you do is you take the dog to the vet's. The vet will draw the blood, put it in the tube, and there's a ma- there's a package. They can just drop it. That comes with the kit. They can drop it in the package. It'll be mailed back to the company with all your contact information, and then about oh, six to eight weeks later, they will contact you with all the information from the results and the type of dog breeds that they found in the blood
1: it is true that they only can identify It's like the
7: akc like, registered yes. identified breeds and the dingo not being yeah. an akc registered right. breed but it might be it might tell you some other breeds the whippet should be on yeah. there i don't know about the shibu inu and if there's any other oh, yeah. breeds in there they should be on there so it'll give you an idea at the test cost i think about 150 dollars for the blood yes it I is it the, less than that. Oh. well it might be by now i don't know you'd have to look i can't
1: but it's, uh, it's Mars Wisdom Panel? It's
7: Mars Wisdom okay.
6: Panel. Yep, that's, that's the, the company. Yeah. And that's what we use it here at our office. And I'd have to say it's, it's very valuable because not only, you know, for the cocktail conversation, what breed of dog is my dog, <laughs> but medically, you know, for either behavioral training and just the disease incidents and background, it's important to know what kind of dog you have. So if you have a herding breed, you can be prepared for some of those behaviors. Um, some dogs, especially with the Wisdom Panel, they do pre-screening with the blood panel, so you can actually, with many different genetic diseases, get a pre-screening for that, for some of the different retina diseases. It, it may not be 100%, but it'll give you a guideline. If, if that's a concern, you need to look into that with your vet. So.
1: Cool stuff. Let me, let me know what yeah. you end up doing there, Tom. And thanks for giving us a call today. Okay.
15: Can, can you give me a website that I can...
1: Look yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to go look it up right now and I'm going to put you on hold Judy, I'll get it for you. Uh It's
6: actually wisdompanel.com. <laughs> look at look at Dr. <laughs> Debbie. Hey, I'm familiar. Yes, we do use that product, so.
1: Yes. Wisdom Panel. And we'll put a link okay. over at animalradio.com for and of course links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Hey, thanks for joining us. In between now and next week, download the Animal Radio app. Do it now. It's a free download for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry.
5: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Keep barking. This is Animal Animal Radio Network.
5: Network.